Welcome to Fox Valley Church. My name is John Sitzler. I'm the lead pastor. I'm excited that you decided to listen to this message. Isaiah 61 states that we can be like great oak trees planted by the Lord. That's our goal for you. Yes, you. So as you listen to this message, be ready for what God wants to bring to your attention. I believe that you're going to encounter God as you listen. I really do. Are you ready? Let's discover what God has planned. I'm excited to welcome Holly to preach this morning. Not only is she an ordained minister in the Assemblies of God, but she is also someone who preaches what she knows and what she's gone through and what she's overcome with. And she's got a special message this morning. So can you guys welcome Holly as she comes? So, good morning. Good morning. So, I don't know if all of you know, but I have been through some crises. And recently, I've been through like almost like a midlife, midlife kind of crisis. Um, I don't know how many of you are over 40. Um, that's, all the, that's all I'll say about my age. But anyway, um, I'm over 40. And when you get older, your eyes don't always work the way they're supposed to. So today you're going to see me wearing these a little bit, okay? <laughs> so try to get them flashy, but um, you know, you, you can see distance, but you can't see nearsightedness, and you have to help with one or the other. Unfortunately, my iPad can blow up as big as I want it to, so, um, so I can still get through that. So I have a little quote here for you, and this is, you might know this one, and you might be familiar with the, the, uh, the person who quoted it. I have heard their troubles of more than one kind. Some come from ahead and some from behind. But I bought a big bat. I'm already, you see, now my troubles are going to have trouble with me. (laughs) Can anybody guess who that person might have been? Dr. Seuss. Okay. So yes, I I love Dr. Seuss, and I love some um, some of the quotes that are in some of the books. And this one I found, I was like, whoa, this just kind of fits with today. And you know that big bat? That big bat is God. And when we go through our troubles, we have God ahead of us. And so we're going to be going through and talking about that. So we all have troubles in life. We all have troubles. And we don't live in a perfect world, so there are going to be troubles. It doesn't matter whether you are a believer in God or not. You are going to have trouble, right? But wouldn't you rather have God on your side when you're going through those troubles? Because you know you have that hope. And so we're going to move on here. Um, Some of the troubles, I've gone through troubles in my life. And I've helped people go through troubles in um, their lives. And so there's illnesses. We've all went through COVID, and we're not going to go talk about that. But we've all, you know, some of us have gone, we've all gone through some kind of illness. And sometimes we are with people who, you know, they have cancer or they have, you know, they're in hospice. And they're, they're coming to the end of their life. And so, you know, we go through people, through families, walk with people um, through situations like that. We've gone to emergency room visits. I've been, with, I've been to emergency rooms countless times, especially within the last few months. I've been there quite a few times with other people. And then there's death and accidents, watching other people's children if they have things that are going on. So there's all kinds of things. People, um, people who are homeless. You know, we've, we've dealt with that. And 
Anyway, so we're going to be talking about responding to crises in our life. Oh, the troubles we have, right? There's a lot of troubles. And so before we, before we get moving, I'm going to pray, um, just because I feel like I need to do that today a little more. <laughs> Father, I just thank you. I thank you that we can come and listen to, your, listen to your word, Father. And Lord, I pray that my words would be yours and that you would open the ears of people to hear what you would have them hear today, God. And let it not be just me speaking from my experiences and speaking from what you have put in your word, God. But let it, let it deep, sink deep inside each of our hearts, even today, God. I ask for this in your name. Amen. All right, so crises. Um, a crisis is defined as, well, we have, there's a bunch of different things. In the Bible, you'll see the word trouble or you'll see the word distress. Okay, we have troubles and distress. And so um, things that can cause an upset in our life. So we all go through crisis in some form or another. Sometimes they're little things, and I call them temporary inconveniences. And sometimes those temporary inconveniences aren't just temporary. You know, they might bring out a life change. Whoops, sorry. They might bring out a life change for us. And so um, it might bring out a life change for us, and... Temporary is generally just a short term, right? Long term, our inconvenience is, you know, it's, it's kind of an annoyance sometimes. But we can get through those temporary inconveniences. And sometimes it's a turning point in our life where that crisis point was just that, that was a crisis point, basically, and our life turned changing, changing and moving on a different direction. Um, I don't know how many of you are business people or you look at different magazines, business magazines, but Forbes magazine had... Um, had an article, and I, and I, I usually don't use, use uh, different business magazines all the time for quotes and stuff, but there was one article that they had about crises, and this is pertaining to their um, to business, but the crises was that when a crisis hits, this is what they said, they quoted um, in their, there was an article, it was, you have 15 minutes to respond to a crisis, a checklist of do's and don'ts. Now, I'm not going to go through any of their checklists on there, um, but it, one quote I did take from there was, when a crisis hits, how you respond within the first 15 minutes can make or break your organization and your reputation. And so if you think about that, you think of, you think of these businesses and you just think of people in life, when a crisis hits, you know, you only have, sometimes it's even split seconds, you have to make a decision. And so in responding to a crisis, we either freeze, we jump to action, or we assess the situation, we make a plan, and then we jump into action. And so we're going to be talking about some crises today, um, ways to get involved in the crisis. Sometimes we cause it. Um, sometimes it's something, somebody else or something else causes it. Or sometimes we're the one who is helping somebody in their crisis. And um, our family has dealt with helping people in crisis and sometimes they end up coming into our homes. Sometimes, you know, it's we have to go visit them somewhere. Or we have to help them out with different things. And um, in one crisis that we went through, we got a phone call in the middle of the night. And in, the, in this phone call, it was, you know, a frantic mom saying, I need help. I need help with my child. And so, and then we, uh, we went ahead and took care of it. Uh, not took care of it. You know, helped, helped this person out, got this person to a safe place. And then a few days later, we got another call. 
can you come? We need you to come. And I was available, and I went, sat in the back of a police car, talking to this person, trying to get this person to, you know, have some, you know, make some, make some decisions. And not knowing anything about the, the circumstance, or not knowing everything, I should say, about the situation, knowing a few things, and it was dealing with addiction. And when you deal with somebody with addictions, when they're under the influence of something, they're not, they're not thinking straight. But they're still in a crisis. And so for me, inside, I'm praying. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would just give me a word to say. And during that situation, you know, I'm talking to this person and saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. You need to go, get, go back to detox. Didn't want to go to detox. I said, we got we to gotta do this. Got to do this for, you, for your child. You got to do this for you. You got to do this for your family. And you know what the one thing that this person said? I just want to be happy again. But this person was in a big crisis. And you don't know what it's like when you're doing that. And you have to, you know, when you're the person who's helping somebody, you need to think about what's going on. And you need to, you need to know what to do. And sometimes we are not equipped to do things. I don't know if you've ever been in a, thing, in a situation where you help somebody, but sometimes we're not equipped to do that. But we can pray, and we can ask God to help us through that. And so, anyway, this person, eventually, we got her to de detox that day. And, and anyway, after coming back, things, we thought things would be okay, turned around and went right back into that same addiction again. And then, you know, we came to a point where we said, okay, this is, you know, we got we to gotta do something here. You come back with us, this is what we're going to do. You know, we, we pretty much became her 21-7 babysitter and said, we got to do this, this, and this. You can't do any of this stuff in our home. You know, while you're here, this is, gonna, this is the way it's going to be. So for two weeks, we were tied to the hip, basically, or this person went to a safe, safe home where, where the, the addictions wouldn't be there for her. And after being, um, going through this, happened again. And finally, we realized, after praying and after consulting with people, that we just, we're not equipped to do this. And I know sometimes it's hard, especially if it's somebody that we really love, it's, it can be really hard to say, we, we just don't have the strength or the power to do this. And so we have to just, sometimes we have to let go, because we don't want to be one of those people who are going to enable people to do that. But you know, when, when God gives us a word and we do it, we have that peace. And so when we finally, you know, at that, at that, we were at that turning point. We were at a, a kind of a crisis point, I guess you could say, for, for this person. We said, okay, this is what has to happen. You need to be serious about, about turning your life around because we can't help you continue to do this over and over again. It becomes a snowball. And so anyway, we... So we, we let go. Basically, let's let go. Okay, you have a decision to make. That person did not want to come back, was not serious at the time. And it took losing a child, and it took, um, you know, have, being confronted, being put in, you know, um, involuntarily being put in to a place where this had to come to a decision. And um, anyway, so that was a long story to get back into another story, but... 
Um, but sometimes we have experiences that God puts us through, and we need help. We need people to come and help us. And so um, we, we get ourselves in a pickle. We get ourselves in situations sometimes, and then we expect other people to be able to help us, or sometimes we need help from beyond. And so there are people all over. There are people all over who, come, who have circumstances, kids, teens, adults, and we all, we all have circumstances that troubles that we get into, sometimes by ourselves or sometimes by others. But let me talk to you about, in the Bible, we're going to talk to about one character who got himself into a pickle, okay? Or should I say, into a belly of a great big fish. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Jonah. And I know most of you probably know the story of Jonah. Is there anybody here who does not know the story about Jonah in the Bible? Anybody? It's okay if you raise your hand, because I'm prepared to go through the whole thing if you want. <laughs> I was a children's pastor, remember? So this is one of the stories that we always told the kids. But anyway, just to remember, Jonah was a prophet, okay? So Jonah was a prophet, so he was a messenger of God. And Jonah got himself in a pickle. And the reason he got himself in a pickle was because he disobeyed God. And God had given him a message, and instead of giving that message to the people, he went the opposite way. So remember, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. So he gets on a ship, okay? And he gets on a boat, and the storm comes, right? And this you'll find in Jonah 1, just in case you need to review it later on today, in the book of Jonah. Just read the whole book of Jonah. You'll, you'll be good. But in the first book, it talks about this. But we're going to pick up where Jonah was thrown overboard, Okay, so in verse, um, we're going to go to Jonah chapter 1. But before I do that, I have one more quote that I want to tell you. Um, in Oh, the, oh, the Crises We Cause, um, Martin Luther King had said, Martin Luther King Jr., had said, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, man, this goes right with, I wasn't even... I wasn't even looking for a quote to add or anything else to add. And I saw this quote, and I'm like, wow, this is just like right in line with what I'm talking about, especially with Jonah. I think maybe he was probably talking about Jonah when he got himself in this pickle. But then I looked in the Bible, and you would believe, I was, I was looking in the Bible, and you would believe how many, how many people in the Bible actually got themselves in pickles, you know, or had crises that they went through. And so I, I was started to write... Like, I started writing some down, and I'm like, I have to put almost everybody in here. You know, there's so many people in the Bible who have crises, and, you know, there's just a, just a bunch of them. So anyway, um, so Jonah, let's get back to Jonah. And Jonah, he was, you know, he, he fit this quote really well about his sincere ignorance. He ignored, totally ignored what God wanted to do. And then he gets... He gets on a boat and gets thrown off the boat. So um, it said, then the, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. But before this, the, sa the, the captain had said, pray to your God to stop the storm. So he acknowledged that Jonah was a man of God. And so once Jonah got in and got in the water, the storm stopped and the you know, the, the water calmed down. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. 
So even though Jonah did a bad thing, something good happened, you know, with these sailors. God's like, I'm not going to let you have the last word. Um, but uh, going on in here to Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah, after um, he was inside of this great fish, so he got swallowed up, okay? He got swallowed up by a great fish, and he was inside there for three days and three nights. So chapter 2, then Jonah prayed to, to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Now, I want you to think about this. Imagine being inside the belly of a big fish. Could have been a whale, I guess. That's what everybody else says, Jonah and the whale. Well, we don't know for sure that it was a whale. I think there's only one whale that they said that could actually fit a human down the throat. But the other whales, their throat's too small. So, but it's a big fish. So I can't imagine how big that inside was. But it was big enough for Jonah to live in there, okay? But can you imagine the stench? Now, I know everybody's probably going to go out to eat afterwards, so you might not want to go out for fish. But Jonah would, you know, he had probably shrimp and all these things coming in, and it probably stunk, and seaweed, and then it sat in there, and all these, you know, lovely acidic juices and whatever that's in the stomach. I know you're probably feeling it now. But if you like sushi, it probably would be okay for you. I'm not a, I, I like sushi, but I'm not a raw sushi person. So anyway, so Jonah's inside this belly of this fish. Can you imagine? The other thing I, I couldn't understand, why? Why did he stay in there for three days before he prayed to God? The minute I got swallowed in there, I would have been praying right away. <laughs> I was not going to wait. I would jump right into action there. But he had to sit and ponder about his life, or maybe he got knocked out, and I don't, we don't know, but he was in this fish for three days. He knew he was in there for three days, so anyway, so Jonah had this prayer finally. He, he finally was going to fess up, and finally was going to ask God to forgive me. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. So Jonah cried out to God, and God protected him, right? So he protected him the entire time he was in the belly of that fish. Verse 3 goes on to say, You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. He was just sinking down in. Then I said, Oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned by the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. I'm going to repeat that. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods from their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will 
fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And so Jonah gives praise to God, and he makes a vow to do good on his word, right? He, he makes a vow to do what he was told to do in the first place because God has given him a second chance. And you know, when God gives us second chances, we need, to, we need to go at it, and we need to grab that second chance and do it again. Because you know what? Life is just going to be so much better when we do. And then it says, as soon as he prayed his prayer, then, God, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Of all places, he could have just spit him out in the water and he could have been floating, floundering. But he spit him onto a beach. I thought about that too, and I thought, man, what if I was there back in the day and I saw this guy flying through the water? What would you do? What would you do? Would you, would you, would you be afraid? Or would you laugh? Or would you like, okay, go Jonah? I don't know how I would have reacted, but I think I would have been, my mouth would have been wide open, thinking, what in the world just happened? But you know what happened with Jonah? Even though, um, or Jonah, he, he got spit on on the beach. I have another quote up there. It says, even though we may cause a crisis in our life, God redeems us when we cry out to him in our distress. Even though we may cause a crisis in our life, God's going to still be there for us. When we cry out to him, he is going to answer us. Even when we mess up and make a mistake, God is going to be there. He's going to hear our cry, and he's going to save us from the pit. Like the person we were, we were helping had to hit rock bottom to make a decision to turn their life around. <clears throat> it may not be the exact income, uh, outcome that we want, though. You know, sometimes things happen and it's not the exact outcome, but God will be there with us. And no matter what, sometimes, sometimes with crisis, like I said before, it's a turning point in something else that's going to happen in our life. Maybe, maybe there's an illness Maybe there's a death. Maybe there's an accident. And there's, there's a person, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you probably have heard of her. Um, in 1967, she was in an accident, and she um, became a quadriplegic. She dove into, um, into the water and, um, I believe, broke her neck or something. And anyway, so she was, she was a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down. And... After, after that, after she went through all her recovery, she, um, she became, she opened up, re she wanted to rehab, after her rehab, I'm sorry, um, she had a determination to help people with disabilities. And so her story has gone on. God has taken her life, and she's done wonderful things. She has an organization that helps people. She paints with her, with her mouth. She paints with her mouth, and you may have seen things on that. She's written books. She's married. She can even drive a car. I saw a story where she went through a drive-thru and she was trying to have the people help her. It's just amazing what technology can do for people with disabilities nowadays. And so it was just kind of a humor, humor story she had told about, about this. And it was, just, um, it was just inspiring to see 
what God can do even in the midst of crisis in somebody's life. And sometimes it's not until years later that you see the success or see something good that might have happened to it, but that was a turning point in their life for them to change. And so and we're going to go move on in Jonah. So Jonah's on this, back to Jonah. We're, he was on the beach, and I don't think he took very much time to run to Nineveh. I think as soon as he got, got there, he just he flew to get to the people of Nineveh. And uh, in verse, um, starting with verse 1 in chapter 3, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. So he did that. And verse 3, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. And like I said, he probably didn't waste any time. It said this was such a big city, it took three days to see all of it. And on that day, verse 4, on, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, if I were to give a message to a town like that, I probably would have been a little fearful too. I'm not sure that I would have totally run away from God. I might have had other people come and help me, like a band of people say, come on, we got to go do this. Can you help me? But Jonah, he just flew. <laughs> he fled the city, but God brought him back there. Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God's message. They were ready to hear this message, probably because they knew everything was happening, and they, they probably, somebody, some of them are probably witnesses of Jonah being thrown on, out of the water. And so the people believed, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap and sat in a heap of ashes. So the king listened to Jonah and took action. He knew that God was serious. And so in, in knowing if God is, when God is serious, you know, when you, when you realize that God is serious, you get moving, you get doing things. When God says your city is going to be destroyed, you got to do something. You can't just let it be destroyed. And so the king sent out a decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. So he made this decree to the people. He said, people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop on their evil way, to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. So Jonah gave this message to the people and the people responded. And because the people responded, God saved them. God saved their town from destruction. And so you look at the story and you think, even though they were in this crisis, not only did God save the people in Nineveh, but you look back to the fishermen we've talked about, the fishermen, 
that were in there even reached out to God and they worshiped him. So we have a big God. We talked about that bat. We have a big God. And when we go, have God go with us, we can do, we can do countless things. So I talked about these. In the Bible, there are countless stories of people in crisis. Today, there are countless stories of people in crisis in our life. And there are countless stories in the Bible of how God saved people and turned, them, turned that crisis into something successful. And there are countless stories of people today who have gone through situations and God is doing amazing things in their life. And they may have been believers or maybe not, but God is doing things in their lives. When they give glory to God, he, he helps them get through. And now Jesus also responded to his crisis. To Christ, he had a crisis. And most of us, probably almost all of us probably know that crisis. He was about to die for our sins on the cross. And so Jesus shared his, his crisis with his friends and his disciples. And you know, we need friends. As I was saying before, if God ever told me to go to a place, I'd want my friends to come with me. We need friends. We need friends. We can't be, we can't be loners in the world. We have to have our friends to rely on. And the sad thing is, when people are in situations that when they are desperate, especially when they're in addictions. They don't want to let anybody know what's going on. They want to keep quiet as much as they can. Or they go to the people they know are going to enable them or help them to get what they want. But it's a lonely life when they're in that, those situations. At first it's not, but it gets to be worse. And that, that, lon that loneliness gets to be worse and all they want to do is say, I just want to be happy again. I just want to be happy again. But Jesus, so Jesus needed his friends, okay? So in Mark chapter 14, in verse 33, it says, he, he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. So here Jesus was, after all this preaching and all this healing and all you know, being with the people. He knew his time was coming to a close on earth. And so he knew he had to go to the Father. And he did this every day. And he said to his disciples, verse 33, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he asked his friends to stay with him. He asked his friends to pray. Luke 22, verse 40, we read, There he told them, Pray that you will not be given into temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup from me. 
yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So I remember reading, reading a, a, another pastor had, had talked about this, this very verse and said, or this, this story, and he said that, you know, the faith, sometimes our faith is in crisis. And this was, a, this was actually a crisis point for Jesus. He was, a, he was human on the earth, experiencing the human life, and he was, he was still God. But he had this crisis. He knew it had to be done, but he, and he knew what he was going to endure. And he still endured it, right? And then it says, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He had an angel right there, right there with him. And he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony in spirit that he, that he sweat, that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to his disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. So when you're helping a friend or family or whoever it may be, when you're helping somebody and they're going through a situation, you get exhausted. I've been there. We've been there. You get exhausted to a point where you just have to rely on people, say, I just need a break. I'm exhausted. I don't know what to do sometimes. You call them up and you say, what can I do? That's when you call up your friends. You're, you have to counsel with them and say, I don't know what we should do. So I can understand the grief that the disciples were probably going through. You know, and when you, when you pray long and fervent and hard, you get tired. You get worn out sometimes. Jesus prayed so hard because he knew that the people needed him to do this. We needed him to do what he was going to do. We needed him to go to the cross. And so Jesus needed his friends to pray through with him. And so verse 46, go back to verse 46 there. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. So even though they were exhausted and going through all this grief, Jesus knew that they needed to stay on guard, to stay on watch. That's why he asked them to watch him. So that they would not be given into temptation. And you know, that's, that goes true for us today. We need to pray and be on guard every day so that we don't fall into temptation. Because you know what? When, that minute that you don't, you, something happens. You make a poor choice, you do something you're not supposed to, and you give in to that temptation that you know is going to get the best of you. And it may be something small. It may be something little. But you have to, you have to continue to ask God to be with you and to help you and to, to walk you through that next step, whatever it's going to be. So Jesus knew, needed his friends to pray through with him. He, needed, he knew the path and anguish he would face 
And he needed his disciples to fully experience what they would need to do to reach people. Same with us today. God's word is so important for us. It has, it's the map of our life. And when we have a situation or a struggle, we can go into the Bible and read it. And it's, it's always interesting. Sometimes you read the same story twice, three times, four times, and you get something different out of it. And sometimes what you think you're going to get out of it, you don't. You get out something even better. And so we, we need to remember that God gives us his word so that we have something to look forward to, so that we have that hope of eternity, so that we have a knowledge of what we can do in times of trouble. So when we have a friend who is going through something or a family member, we need to pray it through with them. When somebody calls you up on the phone and says, hey, can you pray with me? Don't just say, okay, yep, sure, I'll pray with you. You know what you need to do is right away just say, okay, let's do that right now. Don't wait. You know, a couple times I've had people say, can you pray with me? I'm like, okay, what do you, let's pray right now. They're like, oh, no, can we do it later? I said, well, I'm going to pray for you right now whether you're going to pray with me or not. <laughs> and there's times when other people come to me, you know, and ask about prayer. And, you know, there I have been guilty of that saying, yes, I will pray for you. Say a little quick prayer, and I don't, forget, don't remember it later. But we need to remember that. It's when we hold them up in prayer to con, you know, continually do that until you see an answer. So a lot of times we get involved in these crises. Like Jesus' disciples. They were his disciples. They got involved. And when, when we get into, um, when we have somebody who is in a crisis, there's a few things that we can do to help them. First of all, when there's a crisis in our own life or in somebody else's life, we need to assess the situation, make a plan, and jump into action. And like I said before, some, sometimes that situation happens really quick, so you need to make a split-second decision. And other times... It's something that, okay, we need to make a good plan, we need to figure things out, and then follow through with that, and then, and then get the work done. And so sometimes an experience that we have um, with family, sometimes it involves something that you don't know anything about. Just like us, we didn't know anything about, you know, what what a person who's, who's addicted to things, what, what happens? We learned it. We learned it very quickly. And if we didn't know it, we were researching things and looking for things. Well, how, you know, what happens here? Why, why is this like this? We were willing to help. We love this person. We sought the Lord for an answer from this healing and of addiction that this person had. And we joined forces with God's people to pray with us. You know, we called friends and family, pastor, and said, hey, we need prayer for this. And we joined with other people. We asked them to join with us. We had another family member who, who had gone through this situation. 
And she was able to walk us through saying, you got to do this, 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 and this. And even when it came that time where we had to say, we had to, you know, kind of say, we can't do this anymore. She walked us through this. This is what needs to happen. This is what needs to happen. And finally, after that happened, we kept trying to figure out where this person was. And her cousin said, you can't go chasing them because all you can do right now is pray for them. And so we did. We prayed and prayed that something would happen so this person would change their life. And you know what? This hit rock bottom. When somebody hits rock bottom, it, it's, it's one of the only ways that they're going to get out of it. And so we responded by continuing to pray. And with the help of counsel, we agreed that, that we, we just needed to, we weren't fully trained, we weren't fully equipped, you know, to do the, a 24-7 thing at the time. And so as hard as it was for us to let go, you know, we, we finally, finally found that peace that we needed. And so we need to respond to a crisis. When we, when we respond to crisis, we need to, number one, pray. pray. We need to call out to God, just like Jonah did. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. Number two, we need to ask others to pray for us. Ask others to pray for you. Number, number three, uh, uh, actually Matthew verse, chapter 18, verse 19, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. And this is how we know that when we ask others to pray for us, God is going, God is going to help us. We need to seek godly counsel. We need to seek godly counsel. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. And so we need to ask for counsel for those who will basically know more than us. And that's what, we, that's what we do when we're in a situation where we don't know, we don't have a clue. The next thing is we need to remain calm. Philippians 4, 47 says, Don't worry about anything. Okay? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which passes, which, this is a different version, which peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And remember, God has a plan. So God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for evil, or not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for us. Even with Jonah, when he said no, he had a plan. He already had a plan. He has a plan for us. And the last thing is we need to accept the outcome. We need to be okay with whatever, whatever happens in the situation. And so, I know it was a little, a lot of the stuff I talked about today was a little bit tough. But you know what? We can get through tough stuff. We can get through crises in our life. 
especially when we have God on our side. And you know, we talk about, we, we talk about things that happen in the Bible and things that happen today. And they all, we, we learn so much from what the Bible tells us for how we can get through things today. And so we have to remember these, these five things, six things. First of all, we need to pray. Everybody say pray. pray. We need to ask others to help us. Say ask others to help us. Third thing is we need to seek godly counsel. We need to remain calm. We need to remember God always has a plan. Accept the outcome. And sometimes that means we just need to move on. And, you know, we, we have things where, you know, we don't understand everything that always happens in our life. We don't understand what happens in other people's lives. They make poor choices. We make poor choices. Things happen, right? But when we follow God's plan, and we, when we follow his, when we're obedient to him, like last week, Pastor talked about, you know, when God tells us no. We talked today about what happens when we say no to God. And we don't want to do what he says when we're disobedient to him. But you know what? Jesus came so that we might be saved, right? So that whatever we do, all we have to do is ask him to forgive us. You know, forgiveness is hard for people. And I found that with kids, forgiveness is really hard for them. It's hard for them to say sorry. But when I realize that, I'm like, it's not just kids. It's we as people. We have a hard time admitting when we have done something wrong. And so that's the first thing that you need to do is admit. Admit your sin to God. You know, and we, we still make mistakes as believers. And we still have to ask God to forgive us. Right? Amen. So, pray. Ask others to pray with us. Seek godly counsel. Remain calm. Remember God always has a plan. And accept the outcome. Like I said at the beginning, God had something specific to talk to you about today. And I'd encourage you to take a step right now. What is something you could actually do based on what God brought to your attention? It could be the action step that was brought out in the sermon, or it could be something different. Just take a step. The Bible says when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to participate in person during one of our Sunday worship services. In the meantime, to keep up with everything our church is doing, go to foxvalley.church or download our app and search Fox Valley Church wherever you get your apps. God bless you.